All right, welcome to class, welcome to Home Builders. Hope you're doing well. Um, let's go ahead and read our verse together today. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We're going through this series on the book of Romans and because of the uh, doctrines that Pastor Jonathan is going through. And so uh, Romans 5.1 is our key verse for today. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christians can experience peace and hope Peace and hope of God. Have you experienced the peace of God in your life? Say amen. amen. Anybody in here experienced hope from God? Say amen. 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 The reality is though, in all of our lives, there is challenges that we face. Things in which we go through as an individual or as a family that are challenging for us. And that can take away our peace and our hope. Can you provide some of those things this morning? What are things that can take away our peace or our hope? Pardon? Satan, Satan can? Yeah. Anxiety. Anxiety. Negative thinking. Negative thinking. Children. Children. <laughs> <laughs> Health. Conflict. Sin. Over worry. Over worry or worrying in general. Sin. Unexpected debt. Financial concerns of all kinds. There are things that happen in our family and in our lives and things that go on that challenge us. That that cause us to if Satan can get it to happen in our lives, that we can get rid of them peace that God has given to us or the hope that we have, that we are feel hopeless. Peace, the actual word peace means rest and contentment. Rest and contentment in our relationship with God. In this passage, that's what it's talking about. Do you rest in God? Are you content with God? Is he enough? Is he enough? If you get an opportunity, I would invite you, encourage you to go to the Liberty website sometime this week and go to, if you just go to the main Liberty page and you, you'll see icons at the top, at, uh, academics, athletics, right in the middle is faith and service. If you select that, you can go down and see the words convocation, and if you do that, you can go in and watch convocations that have happened in the past. This last week, um, we had a guest, Rebecca, came and she's uh, from Britain. So for those of you who just like listening to people with a British accent, you're just going to love it anyways. But she spoke on a really important topic that I think is, is important for all of us to have. And in fact, 
I'll be honest with you, it's been a long time since I've listened uh, or visualized, saw the entire student body in convo silent. She spoke for only about 15 minutes, but that 15 minutes was extremely powerful. The basic question of the morning is basically, what's it going to take for you to really lose your faith in God? Why is it that we trust him? How can we, how can evil exist? And she began her time together with us, sharing a brief story that she had a best friend or that she hadn't seen in a while. And they got together and as they were walking together, they had a great conversation and I won't go into it because you'll need to hear it. But bottom line is she, they, they finished their conversation together, walking together and they separated. I think that was a Thursday or a Friday, I can't remember. And on Sunday, her pastor gave her a call and said that her friend was in the hospital. The question, how does this happen? Well, apparently, the evening where they split off and she went to her house and she went to hers, she was beaten with a club, robbed. And left her dead. And her father called Rebecca and said, God is so good. She was talking to her husband on the phone when the man came and hit her over the head. So her husband was able to call for the ambulance. And someone came upon her and helped her. She was in a pool of her own blood. And if, they had, if that didn't happen, she would have been dead. Faith. The question, though, is, is that she was asking is. But if God is love and if God is so good, why did he allow evil to happen to this woman? Why couldn't he have stopped it? And this is really where it's at. When we, the question of the day that is being asked is, is God enough? Is God enough for you regardless of your circumstances or regardless of my circumstances? Is God enough? Or does he not only have to be who he is, but then also do a checklist of things in order for him to be really God to me? Do we really have the peace of God? And I would encourage you, I would invite you to listen to that because she goes back to the scripture and illustrates it, I think, with a, a valid consideration from the word. What does that mean when applied to life's challenges? That regardless of our life's challenges, that we can have rest and contentment in God. In the midst of our trials and temptations and the things that we're going through, that we can rest and be content with God. Hope is in view of the gospel. Do you have hope this morning that one day you will be in God's presence? Absence of the body is to be present with whom? The Lord. Are you confident in that day? Or do you have hope in that? It's having hope in the promises found in the gospel. What hope do we find in the gospel? Now the gospel, can someone tell me what the gospel is? It's good news. And what is that good news? What is the gospel? Christ died for us. He's buried and rose again. Is that good news? And because he died, was buried, and rose again, he got victory over death, hell, and the grave. 
And because we are in him, we will too. Amen? But the question is, do you hope in that? Do you have hope? Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Romans 5.1, as you remember, begins with the word therefore. And every time you see the word therefore, you've you got to know what it's therefore. therefore. It's referring to the last. Remember, the Bible was not written chapter and verse, right? So the last verse and the last word of chapter 4 is continued in the first verse of chapter 5. And it's talking about the word justification. Therefore, okay, since we have been justified, that last word there, okay, declared and treated as righteous. They have something and will be something. They have something from God and will be something from God. We have peace with God. Someone read for me. Roman, in, in, your, in your notes, change it to chapter 15. In your notes, it says chapter 5. So it should be chapter 15, verse 13. Someone read that for me. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that You have peace with God. You have hope with God. Joy, hope, peace that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. It can only come through the, through the Holy Spirit. It can't come through the things of this world. You can have temporary hope. You can have temporary peace. You can have temporary joy if you will or happiness in the things of this world. But only through God, through his Holy Spirit, that God will fill us with hope and joy and peace. We have access by faith into this grace. Ephesians 2.18, for though we have both, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So again, this Holy Spirit, we have access to the Father and the Father gives us this grace. We see this, we know it from Ephesians 2.8.9, for by grace have you been saved through faith. And it's not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not of work, works lest any which of us. We have a standing grace. We stand firm in God's favor. Without it, we could not stand. Someone read Psalm 130, verse 3. You, Lord, kept the record of sins, Lord, who could stand? <laughs> if you kept the record of our sins, Lord, who could stand? Now, is God omniscient? Does he know everything? Does he know your sins? Does he know mine? Do you? Boy, I'm so glad you don't know all of But God does. And he doesn't keep a record of our sins. In other words, what he's not doing is he's no longer going to put it in our face. Because it's not like he forgets it. It's like, for example, when we read uh, scripture, Romans 10, 9, you know, we, we know we're saved by faith, etc. But then when we go into the scriptures, 
if we know that God forgives when we confess it. Okay, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that word forgiveness, again, is that accounting term you're going to get used to hearing me say this. It means to cancel the debt. It's gone. He casts our sins as far as what? The east and the west to what? Remember them no more. It's not that God gets amnesia. Okay, it's not that God, it's just, it, he doesn't put it in our face anymore. He just doesn't make us stand in reference to our sin because he took it upon himself. We also have joy. We boast or rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have joy because we will be in his likeness. Romans 8.18, someone read that for me. The glory that will be revealed in us. You were created in his likeness. But when you see him, you will be like him, for you will see him as he is. You will be transformed, amen, into the likeness of God. Okay? You will be like him. We are joint heirs with whom? With Jesus, the Bible says. Everything he possesses, we will we possess. We're not going to be little gods, though. We're, okay, this is not a Mormon church. Okay? Men, you're not going to have your own planet one day, and people, you'll be doing, sorry. That's not what the scriptures teach us. Okay? But we, we can have joy because we will be made in his likeness. We will, it's, the Bible says, for whom he justified, he sanctified. And whom he sanctified, he will glorify. Amen? We have joy in our suffering. <laughs> Any of you have ever suffered? Okay? You know what I'm talking about? Why? Because suffering produces perseverance. But what is this dependent upon? How many of you have known people, you don't have to raise your hand on this one, who have went through challenges and suffered and gave up their faith. Who've walked away from God. That's one of the questions that I ask my students. The beginning. Near the beginning of the first couple of weeks of school. As we're into it. And my statement to my students is this. What is it going to take. For you to give up your faith. You believe in God. You believe in Jesus. You believe that you've been transformed by God and you're going to heaven. But what's it going to take in your life for you to give up your faith? Is it, is it an unanswered prayer? That you will pray for a family member to be healed and they aren't. Or yourself. You have dreams of going professional sports. And you get an injury you will never go. You have a dream one day of getting married. And you don't. Your, your entire life is wrapped up in the idea of becoming mom. And dad. And you can't have a child. And if God is so good and God is so loving, then why doesn't he answer all of our prayers? What's it going to take for you to say, God, if that's you, I don't want any part of it anymore. 
And people will go through that in their Christian life. But the, the issue is, is that if suffering produces perseverance, it has to come through our own faith. The question begs itself, do I believe God? Do I believe what God's word says about him? That he is God and he is love and he is holy and he is just and he is good. We could say God is good and all the time, but do we really believe it when it repeats the road? And life brings us challenges. The question is, is God enough? Is God enough? Or is it God plus this or this or this or this? And we can list whatever in our own hearts. These are challenges that every one of us will go through at certain times in our life. My siblings have all asked the question, and I have as well. Why would you allow a father who believes in you, who loves your word, who cries when he sings your praises, would also abuse us? Why? Couldn't you have stopped him? And I'll never forget my father saying, Lou, um, God is the reason why I lost my arm and leg. I said, Dad, why would you say that? I said, I believe that, but why would you say that? He goes, because if I hadn't lost my arm and leg, I probably would be in a pit. That was not his exact words, but that's what he meant. I don't know where I would be because I don't know if I would be with God. And yet all of us, as we struggle with those things, how do we, when we go through this, how do we persevere? Is, is it producing character? And is it producing hope? That's dependent on us. God's not going to go persevere. And we persevere. Character. Hit character. Poof. Hope. No. It's our response. Do I believe and trust God? Regardless of my circumstances. Do I trust him? For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all, according to 2 Corinthians 4, 17. Paul said, this is light and momentary, but for some of us, we're like, wait, how can you call that light and momentary trouble? Did you ever go through trouble and thought this was overwhelming to me, and then when it's over, you're like, oh, that was good. Until the next time. And it's like, oh, this is overwhelming. And then it passes again. And we're good. We go through this cycle of constantly, you know what? In reality, in the big picture of things, this is a light and momentary trouble. But it's got a purpose. To achieve an eternal glory. That far outweighs them all. We experience the love of God. Someone read for me Romans 8, 37 and 39. Can I say it again this week? God loves you. 
God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Then why am I going through this stuff? Because God loves you. And he wants you to trust in him. And he knows us. He's created us. And when we are, in reality, when life is going great, we tend, as human beings, not always, but we tend as human beings to no longer trust because everything's going good. But when we are at the end of ourselves, there's only one place to look. And that's up towards him. And the challenge then becomes, how do we live that way regardless? When we're on the mountaintop, how do we keep looking up, even though we're up on top? When we're healed, when we're wealthy, when we're satisfied, when the Cincinnati Bengals win. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever's on our minds, we can experience the love of God that doesn't, that isn't impacted by anything. God loves me. Jesus loves me, as we sang this morning. And we have the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you've received from God, you're not your own. The Holy Spirit of God has, has entered into your body, the Holy of Holies. It's become the Holy of Holies. God of very presence is in you. Your prayers don't have to go through the ceiling. He's already with you. And he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's never going to abandon you. He's always with you. He's enough. He's with you. Human love versus God love, God's love, Romans 5, 6 through 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, when we couldn't follow the Old Testament law, when we couldn't make it on our own, when we could not live successfully. Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ didn't die for good people. He died for the ungodly. Why did Paul need to address this? Isn't this assumed? Is it assumed that we're good people? Or that we're the ungodly? Excuse me. Does anybody out there think they're good? <laughs> yeah. In fact, most of the world who don't accept Christ, even after hearing the gospel, are like, many of them are talking, I don't know, I'm a pretty good person. Because <laughs> they compare themselves with other people, Right? Well, I'm not as bad as they are. I listen to the news. I'm not like them. Sounds like a Pharisee, right? Oh, God, I'm so grateful that I'm not like this sinner. But the sinner beat upon his breast and said, oh, what a sinner am I. And Jesus, seeing the scene, says, you know what? That man walked away justified. 
How do we view ourselves in light of all of this? Jesus died for sinners. Is there anybody else in here a sinner? Anybody can relate to me on that one? Now, I'm not proud of that, right? We're not proud of that. But God died for us. And his love for you is unconditional. And nothing will separate you from the love of God. And he demonstrated. He said, why would, why would someone die for another person? And let's answer that question first. Why would someone die for another person? Has that happened in history? Yes. Why? Why would someone die for somebody else? Love. Love. Duty. Duty. We saw that this, this past week, didn't we? It shouldn't die, thankfully. You, you saw, probably most of you saw in the news, you have this uh, lady who's a cross guard for school and this girl begins to walk across the street and this person in a car doesn't stop at a crosswalk and she literally has to push the girl out of the way so she doesn't get hit. She gets hit there herself. She could have died, but didn't, thankfully. Why? Out of duty. They weren't selfish. They weren't selfish. We, we know in the military, individuals who've died for somebody else, they've taken the bullet. Now, as a side note, if the resurrection of Christ was a myth, if it wasn't true, okay, would the disciples die for a lie? I mean, think about that. If you knew the truth, if you were Peter, James, if you were, if you knew that the resurrection of Christ was a fake, would you die for it? No. You may even, you may have, they may have loved Jesus, but they're not going to die for him. But God proved his love for us through death, Christ's death on the cross. God demonstrated his love towards us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God died for you knowing that you were a sinner. Because he loved you. And he says, I'm going to demonstrate this by sending his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish. And have everlasting life. For Christ also once suffered for sins. First Peter 3, 18. The just to the unjust, so that he can bring us to God. He's that bridge between us and the Father. He put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. The results of God's love for us is Romans 5, 9 through 11. I broke this chapter into two parts. So next week is the second part of chapter 5. We will be in here next week. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? You see, there's some cults out there that said, it, 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 you know, we're not saved by Jesus shedding his blood on the cross. We're just saved by the life of Jesus because he may not have really died and was buried and rose again. We, we're saved because of Jesus' life. He was a good man. That's not what scripture teaches us. For if while we were, we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of the son. How much more? Having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. 
We've been justified by his blood. We can't be saved just through his good life. Ephesians 1, 7. Someone read that for me. And, and also read Ephesians 2, 13. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus shed his blood. He suffered and shed his blood so that we could be healed of our sinfulness. See, he didn't, God didn't want the sacrifices, as I read in Psalm 40. He didn't want the sacrifice. That, that wasn't what he wanted. But it was a picture. Can you imagine? Could you imagine being in Jerusalem during sacrifice, during, during the, the sacrifice. And if you go there, you will find pools where they would have walked into to cleanse themselves, to get ready for the sacrifice, etc. And, and, and can you imagine the slaughter of all of those animals, the bleating of the sheep, the goats, the birds, the sacrifice, the blood that flowed, it was bloody. It was disgusting. And yet it was a ritual that they followed, which was a picture of what Jesus would do for us. Man, it wasn't just some simple little thing. It was horrendous. And yet that is what Jesus did for each and every one of us because of his love. For us. We don't have momentary salvation dependent upon us. We've been declared righteous all the way into eternity. Second Thessalonians 2, 15 to 17. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. Whether we taught you this in person or the letter you received from us, the scriptures. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God, our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Give you eternal hope. Give you eternal hope. Eternal hope. Just think through that. You don't have to fear. You don't have to wonder. Those loved ones who have gone on before us, who have put their faith and trust in Jesus, we will see again. We have a hope we have a hope of seeing them again. By faith, we're going to see them again. And you know what? If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you believed in him, you have that hope too. If I had a massive heart attack and dropped dead on this stage right now, I'm not worried. Because I'll be in the presence of God. And looking back down here going, bummer. <laughs> Hurry up. <laughs> Hurry up. Yeah. We have hope. We have been reconciled. Reconciled means to change from enmity to friendship. We were under God's wrath. 
But now we are the friends of God. Someone read for me Colossians 3, 5 through 7. You used to walk in these ways. Some of us can understand that. Someone else was starting to read. Do you read John 15, 15? This is the life you once lived. Now, <laughs> you're my friend. You are the friend of God. God loves you. Christ died for you. His love for you, regardless of life circumstances, will never cease. And by faith, we can have hope because he's enough. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. And I pray that you're, you'll be honored and glorified in and through our lives. May we again not be just hearers of your word, but doers of it. Lord, help us to understand the beauty of the reconciliation that we have in you. That we've been reconciled. That we're in a right relationship with you. And your love for us is eternal. Lord, thank you that we are your friend and we don't have to live in fear, but we live in awe and respect and honor and glory. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, as we leave this place, give us this day our daily bread. We're grateful for your goodness. And forgive us of our sins. Just like we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil and the evil one. For yours is the kingdom. And the power. And the glory forever. And all God's people said. Amen. Amen. I love you all. Have a great week.